Um, I want to start out by having you turn to the top of your bulletin, and we're going to read together the vision statement that we have there. It is a new vision statement for us, and we're still learning it, so I want us to practice it by reading it together. So let's do that. Following the example of Jesus Christ, El Segundo United Methodist Church seeks to be a community of faith that embodies the love of God by reaching out and welcoming all, especially those on the margins of society, by creating a safe space in which all are supported on their faith journey, and by serving the needs of the community and beyond. Thank you. Last week, we talked about the first phrase in this, facement, in this statement following the example of Jesus Christ. And today, I want to look at the second phrase. But first, I want to tell you a story about Barbara Brown Taylor. That name will be familiar to some of you because we're reading her book in the Wednesday study group. But for the rest of you, she's an Episcopal priest. But these days, she identifies herself, if you go to her website, as speaker, author, and spiritual contrarian. Now she's retired. She's retired from pastoring and teaching at a local college, and she lives on a farm with her husband in Georgia. And in her latest book, Holy Envy, she remembers the time she lost her dog. When the dog slipped its leash while they were on a walk, she began a long chase, she says, through brush, through running streams, and through barbed wire fences. <coughs> Finally, she says, the dog paused for breath, and Barbara was able to grab it. She continues, then the dog panted happily in my arms while I tried to remember where my house had gone. About 20 minutes later, I walked up a hill toward a barn, trying to figure out whether I had arrived at the Tiptons or at the Holcombs. The barn was weathered like the Tiptons, but it was also unpainted by, like the Holcombs. Then I realized that it was my own barn that I was looking at, though it's such an unfamiliar angle that it was if as I had never seen it before. I was also extremely stressed, which meant I was much more invested in the dog in my arms than the barn on the hill. Either way, I was totally charmed when my own barn snapped into view, and I saw it as if for the first time. Should this ever happen to you with a barn, a person, a photograph, or a religious truth, please do not overlook the gift. It is a great thing to see something familiar from an unfamiliar angle for the first time even if it is because you've been worried and lost for longer than you would have liked. In the opening of his first letter to the Corinthians, this is exactly what the Apostle Paul wants to do, to help the Corinthians see their very familiar fellowship from an unfamiliar angle. He knows this church well, for he has spent a year and a half bringing people from diverse backgrounds into a cohesive community before moving on. Then word comes to him that the Corinthian church is having problems, big problems. It is news that greatly dismay Paul for divisiveness and arguments and one-upmanship have become the order of the day. This letter that we have in our New Testament is the result, a letter in which Paul deals with these issues and others in no uncertain terms. But first... First, he greets the Corinthians with words of surprising grace. Let's listen as Hank reads the opening of this letter, which you will find on page 155 in the New Testament on the Pew Bible, if you want to follow along. 
Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and our brother Sosthenes, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, together with all those who in every place call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father in the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that has been given you in Christ Jesus. For in every way you have been enriched in him, in speech and knowledge of every kind, just as the testimony of Christ has been strengthened among you, so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will also strengthen you to the end, so that you may be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. By him you were called to the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. If you were to describe our church to someone who didn't know it, depending on who you are and to whom you are, were speaking, you might say that we are located at the corner of Maine and Mariposa, right across from the high school and library part. You might say you really enjoy the music and maybe the preaching. You might say that our sanctuary is lovely and that our folks are friendly and welcoming. In other words, you are likely to describe the church by sharing all the things that make you feel comfortable and in home here. And I suspect that the folks at Corinth probably talked about their church in similar ways. But that's not how Paul describes the church. Right from the start, he offers the Corinthians the opportunity to look at the barn of their church, if you will, from a new perspective. Normally, if I were to write a letter to my sister, or these days an email to my sister, I might start out, Dear Marianne. But what if I wrote, Dear Marianne, my beloved sister and dearest friend. Not only would that such a greeting change the whole tone of the email, but it also might cause my sister to see herself in a different light. Paul does something like this in this letter. He addresses it to the church of God in, in Corinth and adds to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus called to be saints. To be sanctified, to be saints, is to be holy. Two things about this. First, to be holy is to be dedicated to God, to be set apart, not to dis put distance between oneself and others, but for a specific divine purpose. Second, this holiness, this calling, comes out of a relationship with Jesus Christ. It is not something that this church has produced or merited. It is in Christ, Paul says, that they are sanctified, and it is through them that they are called to be saints. Imagine then what it would be like for us to hear this. Paul called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sosthenes, to the church that is in El Segundo, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. It's an unfamiliar angle to see ourselves from, isn't it? 
But this is what we are, my friends. We are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints and dedicated to the work of God, not because we are especially righteous or good, but because the crucified and risen Christ has found us and claimed us and named us as his own. And not just us. Paul reminds us that the Corinthians and us, both the Corinthians and us, that this is a shared calling, that we are sanctified with Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Now, the Corinthians were the only Christians in their city, and it was natural for them to think of themselves as unique, maybe even especially chosen. Paul says, no, on the contrary, you are part of something much larger than yourselves, a community that owes its vitality, its purpose, its very existence to the one who is both your Lord and theirs. And so it is with us. True, we aren't the only church in town, and so it sometimes feels as if we, as if we have to compete with the other faith communities in El Segundo. But I've found, and I think you have too, that when we reach out to other churches and work with them, it is a joy. We could not, for example, take part in Family Promise without the folks of St. Michael's Episcopal Church. We had a blast working together with St. Michael's and folks from the LDS Church up the street during our first Rise Against Hunger event, and again last year. We collaborate with other churches at, with Case and at Shared Bread and every Easter at the Community Sunrise Service. We are stronger and I believe more faithful when we live into our common bond in Jesus Christ. And that is true for our connection with the United Methodist Church as well. Yes, it's broken. We are divided and that division is bitter and painful. Nevertheless, as Paul asserted to an equally divided Corinthian church, when we remember that it is in Christ that we live and move and have our being, and that it is God who has called together many different kinds of people into that fellowship, then we can and will follow the call of Christ together, even if the denomination, which is, after all, a human construction, ultimately splits. We are still one in Christ Jesus. And so to the Corinthians, with whom we are also bound together, and to us, Paul says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace indeed. For Paul now offers the Corinthians words of thanksgiving, a prayer, if you will, of gratitude for the grace of God that has been given you in Christ Jesus, for in every way you have been enriched in him. Remember that this letter is being written to people who have no building, no staff, no resources, no support from a larger body, nothing like we have. And yet Paul asserts that, that, that they, the you here is plural, have been enriched in every way. Indeed, he writes, they are not lacking in any spiritual gift. Jane Lancaster Patterson points out that the Greek word that Paul uses here is charisma, the word we say as charisma, which literal means, literally means favor or grace. 
It is not, she said, a gift that becomes someone's personal possession, nor is it a special kill, but ra skill, but rather it is the gracious power of God for the fullness of life. As Alan Gregory writes, the Corinthians are what they have received, and they have received month, much. Indeed, in chapter 4 of this letter, Paul will ask, what did you have that you did not receive? And if you received it, why do you boast as if it were not a gift? God is the source of their life together and of the gifts that they manifest. And the source of ours too. We worry so much about whether or not we'll have enough to support our budget and to maintain our facility, about gaining members and having enough people for our committees. I worry too. And when I do, it is so easy for me to forget that God has given and will give us everything that we need. In truth, if we had nothing, nothing but our faith in Jesus Christ, a passion for sharing God's love in whatever way we can, and each other's love and support, it would be more than enough. If that's all we had, it would be more than enough. But we have been given so much more. This beautiful building and monetary resources and the gift of caring friendship, a passion for helping, a desire to make a difference, the gifts of laughter and song and sharing and love. All these things are the result of God's grace. If we lack anything in this church, it is the confidence that God's grace is enough. And as Paul tells the Corinthians, that grace is ongoing. There is more. He writes, God will strengthen you to the end so that you may be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. By him you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. In spite of everything that is wrong with the church at Corinth, and there was much that was wrong, Paul has hope, for he trusts in the faithfulness of God, the God who called them and who calls us to gather around Christ's table in fellowship together, in fellowship with Jesus. Before Paul deals with the issues that his wayward churches face, Faces. He tells them the good news about themselves and about their relationship with each other in Christ. We, the people of El Segundo United Methodist Church, share that same relationship. This congregation is not the building on Maine and Mariposa, nor is our identity to be found in our relationship to the city, our prestige in the community, or in the mission, even in the mission and ministries that we do. If we claim the name of Christian, our identity is to be found in our relationship with Jesus Christ, whether we are members of this church or another church or no church at all. And so I say to you, as we begin to live into our new vision statement, people of El Segundo United Methodist Church, whom I honor and love, you and I are saints, sanctified in Christ Jesus, called into fellowship with him along with all others who call on his name and enriched by God's grace who will strengthen us to the end. Praise be to God. 
This is reason to celebrate, in even greater reason than your team winning the Super Bowl. (laughs) For this, indeed, is our hope and our joy. Thanks be to God. Amen.